What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Sixers and the Podcast. I'm Lucas, I got Uriah here tonight, no Chris, but here's the deal. We are recording directly after Game 2 of the NBA Finals, but before we get into that, Uriah, how's your weekend been, man? Weekend's been good, been doing some outdoor chores. I didn't nice. see the, the the start of the second half of the, the Finals game, I was walking Benny. It's normal Warriors third quarter stuff. Yeah, when I came back, they clearly went on a run, and Boston called timeout. So we'll we'll get into that later, though. How was your weekend? Yeah. It's been good, man. I I actually got I I as as you know single dad, I don't get to go out that often, but I got to go out hang out with a friend on Friday night, and I and then Saturday I just kind I got to deep clean the house. I, I feel good. Just a friend. A friend. <laughs> you snuck that in there. <laughs> no, keep Just a friend. <laughs> no, no, no. Ain't nothing like that. But yeah, yeah. No, it's it, it was a good weekend. Uh, got Tiana, my daughter had a play date today, and nice. she had a good time. So yeah, no, we we overall it was a good weekend. That sounds good. I, I did something this weekend I haven't done in a while. I actually wrote a speech. Mm. Oh wow! What, yeah. are you, what are you what are you trying to talk about? I get to present an award on Wednesday Ooh. night to, to last day of school, right? No, no, this is separate. I'm I'm a member okay. of a fraternity, and the fraternity oh. we're we're offering scholarships to high school students who have done great things academically. So I get to present Ooh. those awards on Wednesday. Very nice, very Wish nice. Let's get into it, though. Yeah, let's do it. So, Lucas. You, for a second consecutive week, did the research, and you listed free agents. Last time, you wrote an article about the unrestricted free agents. You do a great job with that research, letting all the basketball fans know who's available. This week, you came out with an article where you listed the top restricted free agents that Sixers can sign. So with that being said, Lucas, 
who are some restricted free agents that the Sixers should go after? So with restricted free agency, you can try to sign a player, but the team that they played for last year who owned their their rights have the right to match any contract they sign. So usually teams have the overplay for a good restricted free agent. That being said, there are a few players that could be up for grabs here. Um, one guy, like you played for the Washington Wizards the last few years, Anthony Gill. He's a six seven power forward, be slowly becoming a three and D guy, and he's twenty nine, so he's a little bit older, but he he has lo- so he's a little bit more seasoned than most two way guys. Another guy, and this is a guy that Chris loved coming out of the draft, Sharif Cooper. Point guard, only 20 years old, but the upside is there as a playmaker and a scorer. Um, I'm surprised, like Chris, that he went as low as he did in the draft. And then there's another guy here. He won regular season and finals MVP. And I might mispronounce his name, but it's Trevlin Queen. And he's a good, you know, two way guard at six foot six. Some other guys. I, Davon Reed, originally drafted by the Suns, played for the Denver Nuggets last year on a two-way contract. He's a six-five wing, can shoot a little bit, play a little bit of defense. He's solid. A guy that I would take a, a flyer on is Kevin Knox. Now he's a bust at this point. There's no denying it. But at six foot eight, he did have the scoring touch in college. Maybe he just needs to have the right situation. Maybe the Sixers are that. Maybe they're not. I'm not sure. Was he with the Knicks last year? He, he was traded from the Knicks to the Hawks, yes. To the Hawks, okay. Yeah. Oh, he, for the Cam uh, Reddish? Was it Cam Reddish? Yeah, Cam Reddish. Yeah. Yeah. Cam Reddish. Another guy, he played on the Bulls last year. His name is Troy Brown Jr. He's a 3 and D wing, only 22 years old. At six foot six. he has some solid size. And then we're getting into guys that might not be in the Sixers price range. Uh, Amir Coffey is a guy he played on the Clippers last year. He's 24, six foot seven. He's becoming a three and D wing. The Martin twins, of course. Dante DiVincenzo is probably out of the price range unless they do something with Danny or sign and trade. Lonnie Walker is probably the last player that you know you might be able to finagle enough room if you trade like Danny Green and like Cork Moss. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a two way guy for the for the Spurs last year. He's a, I think he's like six foot four, and he's he's a good two way wing. I, I wouldn't mind him. So yeah, those are just some of the guys that I, I'm thinking here. I had Lonnie Walker seventh on my yeah. list. Two of your players that you mentioned, I have on my list. I only really have four that I can honestly say that I've watched them dribble a basketball. And, okay, and uh, Colin Sexton is one of them. He probably. Uh, won't gonna be, out be of available because yeah. of, of the money. But if you think about it, he would be a nice offensive punch off the bench. He's definitely a, a great scorer. Uh, he definitely made an impact with Cleveland. Dante DiVincenzo, we all saw him win a championship with Villanova. The, the kid can pretty mm-hmm. much do it all. Whatever happened in Milwaukee, I guess they went sour on him and he was traded to Sacramento. But I think he could be an asset to the Sixers. Uh, another Villanova Wildcat that you had on the list was Eric Pascal. And mm-hmm. I remember him as a rookie in Golden State. He really yeah. put up some nice numbers for a rookie. And yeah. I thought, you know, maybe he's going to, this is going to translate. It's going to, you know, happen again his second and third year. But his numbers have declined. But like you said, with another player, maybe a different 
venue, a different coaching staff can can get him back on track. And Lonnie Walker, you mentioned him. He would be a nice addition to the Sixers. I think those are the, the top four that I would look at. That's fair. Uh, my only concern with Pascal is that outside of his rookie year here, hasn't really shown a, an outside touch. And at six foot six, he's a small ball four, and he's not the most athletic guy, which gives you problems with the small ball four. Especially we know that because of George's Niang. Mm. So that's that's my concern with Eric Pascal. I think he's a good player, and I think I had on my article that he's he he will be a nice role player, but maybe just not for what the Sixers need. Like, I think he's a little the, bit more athletic than George's Niang. He is a little bit more, but not to the point where like he's he's not a liability defensively if he's like in the playoffs. Yeah, and like his three point shooting is nowhere near where George's was this past regular season. So that that's just my yeah. thoughts there. Well, real quick, back to Lonnie Walker. You said that uh-huh. the Sixers would have to do some type of trade, like Danny Green and Corkmaz. For him, well, a sign and trade, yeah. So that'd be interesting. Like Danny Green would go back to the Spurs. He could return the Spur if he wanted to. Yeah, and Cork Maz is just the type of player that Pop would just turn into a star. Or not? I, star, I think, but. I think that could be a good sign and trade. I mean, the Sixers would probably have to dr- include like a second round pick, maybe a, a protected first. But Lonnie Walker is the type of guy that you can play in the playoffs. So I think. And you know what? If those two combined make about fifteen million, I don't think you would have to pay Lonnie Walker the full fifteen. I think you could get away with paying him maybe somewhere between like nine to twelve million a year and be okay. Mm-hmm. Like he was a he was a reserve for the Spurs for a reason, right? But like at the same time, he he's a two way player. Like he's he's not a you know fantastic three point shooter, but he can get his own shot. And he can defend his, you know, he can defend uh, well enough. So I think it'd be worth looking into. But like I said, it depends on what the Spurs want for him, too. Like how much, you know, they can, you know, squeeze in the side of the trade. So let's look now at some players that the Sixers should make a hard left. Like just stay away from these players for whatever reason. Are there any players, restricted free agents, Lucas, that you don't want the Sixers to go near? Well, I mean, that's a tough one there because, I mean, okay, the top five we probably just can't afford. Like, straight up, you have Aiden, you have Simons, you have Bridges, you have Lou Dort, and you have Sexton. You're not going to be able to afford those guys. From six to ten, like, you can afford, you might be able to afford DiVincenzo Bamba if he's willing to take less. Bagley's not leaving Detroit. I don't think Claxton's going anywhere, and we've already talked about Walker. But, like, guys that just aren't fits, is that what you're asking? Like, just not fits at all? Um, I would probably say – like, I I would certainly say Pascal is probably one of those guys, in my opinion. Him, and he's the only person in the top 20. Josh Okagi. Okagi? I think this is Okagi. Okay, he's yeah. you know he's a really good defend he's a good defender uh you know good athlete six foot four but the thing is he can't shoot worth a lick so that's one guy I would also stay away from Gary uh, Clark he's a former mm. sixer but like he got waived for a reason mm. like he just he his shots too inconsistent I I would stay away from that. Another guy I would probably stay away from is probably Theo Pinson. Like, I know I've had him as a 
target before, but honestly, he's just not consistent enough. And then Bruno Fernando, I, I would say would be the other guy. He's he's played on I think three teams in two in two uh, three seasons. Like he's he's a six foot nine big man, has potential as a rebounder and defender, but he just hasn't found it yet. And the Sixers don't need another raw, you know, unproven big man on the roster. So like those would be the guys that I would stay away from. Speaking of big men, I, there's only two players that. I saw his red flags as not fitting and just couldn't really help the team mm-hmm. either on the court in their locker room. I, I felt bad for Marvin Bagley for a couple of years as he dwindled away and, and rotted on that horrible franchise of Sacramento. Yeah. He has talent, clearly has talent. And I think in your article you said that he found a home in Detroit. But yeah, I, I think so. I, I I don't like I don't know the, the attitude and he doesn't he doesn't really shoot threes so he's not like he's going to stretch the floor for He he team. should be a he should be a center but he his thin frame makes it hard for him to yeah. play the position every but I think he can I think if he adds a little bit of weight this summer he's still young enough to where he can improve but I understand yeah. not going for Bagley who's your other guy The only other person I said just stay away from is Bull Bull I, I think that I don't know. He was an, uh, a wild card, experimental type player coming out of Oregon. His dad obviously is famous for playing in the NBA, much more skilled than his dad. I think people who watched Manu Bowl can attest to that. Did, didn't his dad play for us? He played for the Sixers. He played for Golden yeah. State. He played for the Washington Bullets when they were the Bullets. And uh, there was one game, Lucas, where he hit seven threes in a row against Phoenix. Charles Barkley yeah. was shaking Didn't his head. Didn't he have, like, multiple 10-block games, too? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Manupo was – he was a legit center in terms of shot blocking. He was not a legit back to the basket. No, but, no. I'm sure he could get bullied yeah. on the inside, no problem. But. but his son, he's – I don't know. He's so slow, but he's long. I, I just can't see him adding any value to the Sixers. I don't think the Sixers are the right team. I mean, like, if the Sixers want to take a low-risk, high-reward, sure. But, like, I think he needs to have a team, like a, re- like a full-on rebuild team. I'm thinking maybe Portland might be that if they decide to trade Dame. You know, Washington, if they trade Beal. Obviously, you have OKC, but they might be turning things around quicker than we thought. I, I don't know. It's a tough call, but I think if he can find a team that's like in full-on rebuild mo- mode, I think that's where he's going to get his shot. You know how former players like to talk? Oh, they talk. Oh, yeah, they do talk. And, of course, a former former Sixers point guard, Eric Snow, who doesn't even look like he played in the NBA now. Sorry, I had to it say it. like you played nose tackle. <laughs> His yeah, brother, his brother played. I don't know if you know this. He had a brother that played for the Kansas City Chiefs. Percy, did Stone. he really? Huh, yes, I sir. did not know that. Yes, sir. The, the more you know. But anyway, so Eric Snow recently had comments saying that he believes that Joel only has about two to three years left of elite play. So, do you agree with that, Uriah? I know some people think that's an unfair assessment of our should have been MVP and perennial mm-hmm. all-star. But the reality is, is that uh, he's not getting any younger and the trend of his, his injuries is to no end. I, I, 
it would probably be a laundry list. Um, you know, maybe 20 plus different injuries that have kept him out of games. I think the one thing that could extend his, his career. Don't you dare start with that. I have to, I'm just going to say, I'm going to keep plugging it home until someone brings it up on first take, (sighs) unless his offense shifts to the perimeter. Yeah. Yeah. Watch yourself there, sir. Listen, bro. Listen, (laughs) hear me. And I'm gonna give you a quote. It might, it might've been Denzel Washington. I don't know. He said, somebody said to get something you've never had, you must do something you've never done. And the Sixers have tried the same thing five seasons in the postseason, and it just ain't working for Embiid. <laughs> so maybe if they switch it up and try something different, maybe they'll get something never they've never had before. What do you think? Well, I'll say this because I've said this before. I, I don't think the way that Joel plays is necessarily wrong. I don't think it's impossible for you to win a title that way, but I don't know if Joel Embiid is your best player if you're going to win a championship. That is what I will say. Mm. I'm not sure mm. if that's going to win you a championship. Because when was the last time – I'll tell you the last time a big man, like a quote-unquote – like I don't count Giannis as a center. But I'll tell you the last time a – yeah, 07. I was going to say 07. Sounds like, or, sounds like you're leaning my way, Coach Jay. No, I'm not leaning your Cause way. Because the, the best player in the Sixers outside of Embiid is not a is not a post player. It's a perimeter player. So well, I just think in general, like in today's NBA, having an elite perimeter player that can score on the same level as Joel that can take over games in the fourth. Like I remember the quote that Shaq said to Kobe. I get I'll get us there in the first three quarters. You get us there in the fourth. Hmm. Oh yeah, I've heard that. That's a good quote. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good quote. It's a I think it's I I think that that's what the Sixers need. If they can have a guy that can close in the fourth, then maybe Maxie can be that guy that takes over in the fourth. I don't know. We'll We've get to Maxie in a little bit. We'll, we'll 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 definitely get to Maxie yeah. here in a little bit. But going off what Snow's comments are, do I necessarily agree with that? I don't know. But isn't it an outrageous take to have? No, I don't think so. Big men with injuries usually don't – their primes aren't usually as long. We saw with Amari Stoudemire probably being the most recent example, I would say, right? Yeah. And we're kind of even seeing it with Anthony Davis now, right? Definitely seeing it with Anthony Davis. And I think he's, so, he's younger than Embiid, isn't he? Or he, older? Uh, no, he got drafted a couple of years before Embiid. Okay, all right. I think he's like 30. Okay. Let me check. But, like, my point is, is that – Time isn't always friendly to big men with injuries. And, I mean, not even big men, but, like, we saw with T-Mac, too. Like, T-Mac probably should have had a couple more years of, like, prime play, but injuries stole it from him. Granted, Joel Embiid's injuries as of late, the good news is is that Joel's injuries as of late have not been lower extremity issues except for that little knee bruise that he had at the beginning of the season. Mm. So... That's the good news there. But overall, injuries have not been kind to those those big guys. Yeah, Anthony Davis is 29. So he's only a year older than, than Joel. But I think his injury history has been a lot worse than Joel. Not, like Joel's had the more traumatic injuries, and he's had the lower, slower start to his career. But like 
Davis has been more consistently injured for longer periods of time. So, Uriah, before we move on, because we're going to talk about Sixers playoff series here in a second, let me just help us segue into that by asking this. Do you think there's ever going to be a time that we see Joel Embiid be healthy for a whole entire playoff run? Well, just like earlier I said, the trend is telling us no, we won't see him play a, a full series with a healthy body. Uh, he, he wants to, and we have to give him credit when credit is due. He he has the the urgency. He understands that that he's so important to this team. He also probably understands what you keep alluding to is that someone his size is not going to play forever. They're not going to be in their mid to late 30s like all these guards and, and forwards are. Uh, so unless you're Shaq or Kareem or something, which, I mean, to be fair, Joel's putting himself up there, but like, it oh, takes a long. I yeah. just had a I just had a, a bad vision of Shaq when he was with Boston. And okay, but Shaq was wanna, like thirty six. But that's at my that point. point. My point is, but like, I, I hope not to see him beat in that. In but that like when he okay, like the last two years of Shaq in Cleveland and 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 Boston was not pretty. Fair enough. But like up to that point when he was in Miami and then Phoenix, like he looked good. He wasn't in his prime, yeah. but he was still a dominant force and somewhat limited minutes right so he yeah. still made an all-star game when he was like 33 34 so that's true and i like that all-star game because he had the little what were they called the walk what, the little guys with the masks the dancers oh, what Jab- were they called jabberwockies jabberwockies that's right yeah that i remember true. that that was a good one that that was what i remember Stephen a came out with the jabberwocky mask that was hilariousness right there see i don't remember that oh, but i'm sure i'll send you I'm that sure. one He's he's okay. so tall and lanky and, and kind of corny that it's it's funny, but oh, it's authentic. <laughs> side side note, side note. I know this isn't part yeah. of the podcast, but I have to tell you this. So apparently JJ Reddick and Jay Williams have challenged Stephen H. Smith to a game. Uh, he, he can choose anybody from ESPN, mm-hmm. but they challenged him to a game of two on two. And the thing is, is they t- and the thing, the reason why Stephen A accepted it, they they they're gonna wait a year because Stephen A has to get shoulder surgery this <laughs> this summer. But the reason the reason why Stephen A accepted it was because they said that the JJ said that you're not gonna score a single basket on Ooh. us. And Stephen A took that personally. I mean, he played D two college. I mean, he he has a little bit of a shot, but he but you're right. He's like 55 years. old. Yeah, maybe he can get uh, Legler. Tim Legler out there. Right? Nah, nah, nah. You know who who um he could get Richard Jefferson. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's he's still pretty good, probably. He's like 40. I would not get Perkins though. Oh, he's too slow. No, but well, the thing is all Perk would have to do is get the ball inside and then he could just get a layup because they ain't gonna block his shot. Yeah. I don't so, know. So That's... what about you? Do you think Embiid is gonna have a, a fully healthy playoff series ever? Can I just say that I don't know? Like, I, I just yeah, don't yeah. know. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's such it, a Chris answer. Such a Chris I, answer. Well, you know what? We're missing him tonight, so <laughs> we have to try to embody him a little bit here, okay? Yeah. just He would appreciate that answer. But, yeah. but, like, seriously, I just don't know. I mean, yeah. it depends on how, like, like obviously starting to take his conditioning seriously. Like, the freak – these were just freak accidents that happened this year. In terms of health, he's the healthiest he's been all – like, he played the most games for his 
ever in his career this year. Like, I don't think he's playing bad. Hey, look, 70% post, 30% perimeter. Flip it. 30% no, post, no. 70% perimeter. No, you can, you no. can, you can, you can add on a couple years of his career. Okay, if he, if he trade. Let's, let's go ahead and switch gears. <laughs> I'm not entertaining that, Uriah. All right, let's talk about the playoffs still. And I know that people might just be getting over that horrible loss to Miami, but why not? The playoffs are still going. Philadelphia, we love being miserable around here, right? So mm-hmm. let's just go back and rank the most disappointing playoff series since Joel Embiid has been a Sixer. So I'll just go down to 2018, and in no particular order, actually in sequential order, and then Lucas will give us his top five. Uh, we have the 2018 4-1 ousting by Boston. In 2019, there was the quadruple doink Kawhi shot. We lost to the Raptors 4-3. 2020 Heat, we got not Heat Celtics, we got swept in the bubble. 2021, the infamous Hawks meltdown, we lost four three, and then a few weeks ago, Miami, we lost four two. So, go ahead and rank yours, Lucas. Let's see if it matches mine. Are we talking about disappointing in terms of like it depends on like what definition of disappoint? Like, what do we mean by disappointing? Do we mean like should we have won the series? Most disappointing performance by Embiid. Disappointing, no, like just, in terms of just disappoint. The overall disappointing. Like which one? Just to this day, is like, oh man, we we should never let that get away. Okay, well then I'm gonna go for the low bearing fruit here and just say the 19 Raptor series. Okay, I have that yeah. too. That's that's my top disappointing. What's okay? That? Number two is I'm actually gonna go. Ooh, this is a tough one. I'm gonna go. I'll do. I'll do the next low, bear, second lowest bearing fruit, and do the Hawks 2021. Okay. Number three is 2020 Celtics. Mm-hmm. Number four is probably the 18 Celtics. Mm-hmm. And then this past one is probably my least disappointing one. Wow. Okay. All right. We, before I give you mine, why is the Miami? the number five lowest on your list because joel came into the series injured like we knew that we didn't have a lot of depth Mm -hmm. like the fact that he even came back in this series was like that was enough for me like Mm -hmm. me personally like as soon as joel got had the like thumb injury i was already mentally preparing myself to like they might lose this and especially after he had the facial injury i was like Mm -hmm. no way we can win this like the expectation was for that Miami series that we would lose it mm-hmm. because Joel was not healthy. Hmm. Maybe that that's that's kind of like Terrell Owens in the Super Bowl back in 2005. He came back and and he should not have come back. He shouldn't have played, but he played his heart out. We end up losing the game, but he was there. It was really great moral support. So let me let me just tell you that I agreed with you on the first one. I think any Sixers fan listening right now will tell you that that Kawhi shot probably still haunts people in their sleep Mm -hmm. and uh so that was very disappointing that was the year we had jimmy butler and jj reddick was still here we we could have that was a good time for it It was a good window because i think golden state was banged up so we could have made some noise in the playoffs at least gone to the finals my second most disappointing 
was the Hawks. Uh, yep, we so we agreed there too. Yeah, we agreed there too. And then things get switched around. My third most disappointing loss was the most recent. Because okay, why is that? Well, we had James Harden. Yeah, and but we knew James Harden coming into the playoffs was not James Harden. We knew that, like you said, Embiid was hurt. But when he did come back, he made a huge difference. We made it competitive, and Harden had, I think, two duds. one good game. I think he had two good games against Miami. One but good game against Miami, one against at home. Yeah. So I, I expected more from Harden. I didn't expect to win the championship, but I expected us. We could beat the Heat. We saw how they crumbled. If Joel the was healthy, it wouldn't have mattered about Harden's uh, scoring because, yeah. like, like, to be clear, and here's my thought on this. I thought the tougher defense was actually the, the Raptors' defense. Mm. I think they had the tougher defense, especially against Joel. Like, Bam couldn't do anything against Joel. Yeah. When Joel was, like, feeling like he could impose himself, yeah. like, when his face wasn't killing him, mm. like, and he was actually imposing himself, Bam looked like a child out there. That's okay. True. He's a fraud. So, yeah, Bam, here's a hot take. I don't think Bam's a postseason big man. Bum out of bio. That's his real yeah. name. All right, real quick, oh. let's let's do uh, your Celtics disappointments. I flip-flopped those. My really? fourth most was the 2018 when mm-hmm. Austin and Scary Terry just decided to come in and take over, and TJ McConnell was our, our only savior for that one game. Yeah, and the 2020 sweep where <laughs> where Al Horford <laughs> was on the Sixers and yeah, that was no Ben good memory. No Ben Simmons, but we couldn't. We shouldn't have gotten swept. That, but at the same time, I, it it didn't really bother me because it was in the bubble and there were so many different yeah. factors that had players unfocused. You had nobody in the stands. You had digital faces wrapped around in the in the in the stands. It was really odd basketball. Mm-hmm. Even the players themselves said it's so silent in there. You hear the ball bouncing, and so I didn't I didn't really take too much to that. Um, but yeah, those are top five disappointing playoff series. Hopefully, yeah, it won't just, be, hopefully it won't be six next year. I think the reason why I had twenty higher was because the expectation after. 2019 okay regard that that's where i think i like landed and like i honestly think that if ben was healthy in that series here's the thing brett brown did something that doc never was going to do something that doc never tried which was to play ben at the four and have Mm -hmm. shake milton start shake milton was looking hot that year like we we, you remember the hype around shake at that point so he hit that game winner against the Spurs. Remember that? He had three. Yeah. And by the way, um, Shake averaged 14 points a game in that series on pretty good efficiency, too. Yeah. And he almost threw a swing at Embiid's face. Well, to be fair, I think maybe Joel said something to Shake. Not the point here. Okay. <laughs> Not the point. The point is, is that it's good I, drama, I, though. I, yeah. It was good. The bubble was nothing but drama. <laughs> Any, anyway. Now we're going to talk about something a little bit more exciting for the our listeners, right? Positivity. Positivity. Positive. Yeah. And we're going to talk about Tyrese Maxey because he's the most positive player on the Sixers roster. Easily. 
So as of today, Uriah, let me ask you this. Do you think or feel that Tyrese Maxey can be a star in the NBA? So let me give you a little background on why I chose this question. I was having a conversation with a good friend of mine, uh, mm-hmm. Ira, huge Sixers fan. He goes okay. back to the days of Wilt Chamberlain. He, I think he actually Very saw nice. Wilt play. Very so nice. he is high on Maxi. He loves Maxi, like all of okay. us do. Yeah. However, he thinks that Maxi can't be a star in this league, and I disagreed with him. And I'll tell everyone why I think he can. I think Maxi has the tools. I think he has the attitude. I think he's earned the respect of all of his teammates and obviously players around the league. His biggest asset right now is his three-point shot. To mm-hmm. see him go from, I think he was like 34 30%. No, just yeah, 30%. 30% up to like 43%. And then that continued in the playoffs. That's a huge asset for him. If he can get up to – actually, you know I'm going to say this. I'm going to say that. I'm going to declare it right now. It's not a hot take because you might agree with this. I think he will average 22 points a game next season, and I think that he will be an all-star next year. That's my thinking. Okay. So I agree that he can be a, an all-star in this league. I don't know about superstar, but all-star, yes. I, I've said this before. So here are some stats about Tyrese Maxey. This season, he averaged 17 points, 17.5 points on 42.3.7% shooting from deep, right? Yeah. After the All-Star break, he on in 24 games, you're right, he shot 48% from deep. During the playoffs, he averaged 20 points, almost 21 points on 37% shooting from deep. So here's my thing. He's going to have a full offseason work. And you remember in the post game and the uh, after, you know, end of the season press conference, Doc was talking about how Tyrese said that he wanted to get back into the gym the next day. Mm-hmm. Doc, at least take a week off. So we know he's been working. If you follow Tyrese on Instagram, he's already having, he's already posting in his stories, uh, you know, pictures of him in the gym. And I think there's a, that uh, acronym that he's using which basically stands for not good enough or something along those lines i could correct me if i'm wrong folks but like that's the basic gist of it Mm -hmm. so and i'm coming up with an article about three areas of improvement which kind of go into our next area here which what does he need to and what could enhance his chances of this happening so I'm just gonna go ahead and tell you my answer. What because I'm kind of already there. Yeah, good. Is is there's three areas where he could improve to get to that all-star level. The first is becoming a better playmaker, but that seems unlikely due to James Harden's of you know presence on the team. He's just not gonna be able to play make as often. Number two, he, he develop because here's the thing about Maxi scoring. He can spot up for three. He can even kind of like dribble off, you know, dribble and take a three, right? And Or he can, you know, attack the basket, but he he can't create his own shot in the mid-range off the dribble. That's, that's I think, what, what his game is missing. If he has a mid-range game to where he can kind of attack off the dribble and like pull up for a jumper, I think that could certainly help. I, th- I think those are the areas that he, that where it could happen. 
What are your thoughts, Uriah? I think that off the court, in terms of things he can't control, things that are going to enable him to have all those opportunities to to show all the things you mentioned, the playmaking, et cetera. I think he has to get more touches and he has to get more calls for him. We don't know what Doc has up his sleeve. Hopefully it's something new. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we don't know what's going to happen with Tobias Harris. If Harris somehow miraculously stays, because I think most people are bullish on him getting traded. But if he stays, he is going to have to just shoot more spot-up threes. And he was open to that. And he did a really good job with that new role. And But he would have to be okay with shooting more because that means – uh, Max Look, I think we're all okay if if Tobias Harris only averaged like 16 points a game next season as, as long as he's efficient doing so, right? I agree with that. And the other player who would have to have a, a, a step back in uh, shooting, scoring, is Harden. If he continues to be the playmaker, playmaker that he has been, that means he's probably going to score under 20 points a game so that Maxi could, could get his shots up. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, to be a star in this league, you have to have some game winners. You have to have some some takeover games. And there were a few takeover maxi games this season, maybe three or four. But if he has more of those, he will his star will will ascend. Look, the the part of this is that the veterans around Maxi have to enable him to be the best player he can be. It's going to be hard for guys like James Harden and Joel Embiid. Why um, is that? Is it because their contract is it because they have to justify making all that money? Or is it well, I, th- I think for Harden, it's he's so used to having being the guy and being the you know ball primarily in his hands, he has to get used to the fact that he's going to be a third option or he should be a third option on this team scoring wise, hmm. especially if he's going to play like he did last year at the end of last year. Like he has to accept that, and like he did it with Kyrie. Tyrese Maxey is aren't them, so that that's going to take a minute to adjust. But like for Joel, Joel's going to have to be okay with Maxey taking over at times in mm-hmm. the fourth quarter, which we know Joel. Joel's a good like clutch player. You know that. I know that. I'm yeah. not denying that. But in order for the Sixers to go deeper in the playoffs, Joel's going to have to defer to some of the those moments of the regular season so Maxey can be prepared. Agreed. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. That that's just where I'm at. And here's another. While we've been, we're talking about James Harden and all the weapons, here's a hot take, Uriah. I believe next season James Harden will be the league leader in assists. Yes, that, that's not a hot take. I that makes all the sense in the world. Because assuming we can even upgrade our bench a little bit with the other guys that we already have, it just it seems too like how many how many assists. I'm going to say at least 11, possibly 12. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think that's fair. Because, like, you're going to – like, you know how many easy looks Joel's going to get during the regular season and Maxi and Tobias? Like, the thing is, like, those guys, like, there's going to be so much attention on everybody else. And, like, I think because of that, Harden's offense is going to look better during the regular season next year because, like, those guys are going to draw off other guys. And, like, I think it's going to – I really hope this offseason he gets in healthier shape and like whatever is going on with his shot gets fixed. 
Yeah, once he gets his floater back, if he gets it back, think of all the lobs that he can throw to B-Ball Paul and Andre Drummond and DeAndre Jordan. probably not coming back, man. I know. DeAndre Jordan, I mean. No, get that mess out of here. He needs to retire and join Perkins in the broadcast. All right, let's transition. Yeah. All right, the final topic of the night is the NBA Finals. If you watched it, you saw that Boston Celtics, they hung in there, and then the second half, Golden State turned into Golden State. So, Lucas, what, what did you think of game two where the the uh, the Celtics went down against Golden State? I just felt like the role players for the Warriors stepped up. I think it was that simple because you still had Steph Curry doing Steph Curry things. Like, the Celtics' defense wasn't bad. It's just the Warriors – like the okay, the role players on the Celtics, Tatum had twenty eight and Brown had seventeen, but besides Derek White, nobody else scored in double digits. You can't win a, a final finals game like that. Whereas the Warriors, you know, Steph had twenty nine, Looney had twelve, Wiggins had eleven, Thompson had eleven, Poole had eight seventeen. Like that's gonna win you a game in the finals. I think it's it's that simple. And, you know, they also had Gary Payton, the the third comeback, and he played 25 minutes and played pretty well, I would say. Hmm. He had seven points on pretty good efficiency. Like, you know, and he, he's obviously a really good defender. So, like, yeah, the, you know, Golden State came out with their adjustments. It worked. And the role players, to no surprise, because it's on the road, hmm. did not – perform as well as they did in game one. Yeah, Brown and Tatum in the first half, they had a cooking, man. They were lighting it up from the outside, and Tatum was really doing it all over, all over the court. And then the the turnovers, and this was rampant throughout the whole game, I think that really set them back uh, quite a few points. Gary Payton getting a nice run. Uh, you mentioned role players. Uh, look, Belitza stinks. There's a reason why that guy never really – panned out and found a home i think the celtics went on a run uh in the second quarter when he got on the floor and Derek white i know that boston lost but that guy he's showing why he was such a steal i mean that guy was playing good defense he was knocking down threes just really making a difference on that bench the one thing that i love lucas is the draymond and Draymond Green should have got thrown out. I'm sorry. That's a double tech in the regular season. Well, he's he's a dirty player. We all know that. He'll deny it up and down. But I loved it when he was posting up on Marcus Smart and Smart knocked the ball away. So you have two amazing defenders, and one is more, I guess, better offensively. And the one thing that you didn't mention was Al Horford. He didn't have another lights-out game like he had game one. I didn't expect it. And I have one thing I have to mention about Al Horford about related to the Sixers. Hear out my theory. Remember when he was here, he'd take a shot or he'd turn the ball over, it'd be an ugly shot, whatever. And he would mm-hmm. clap his hands. He would like, like, oh, darn it, I messed up. Yeah. He doesn't do that in Boston. That's just one of those little things that I picked up on. And it makes me believe that he was a planted spy. I, I, just, I don't think he was a spy, your eyes. Clap just, was it was a signal to the Boston Celtics, like I'm throwing a wrench in this team and I'm picking up on their their tendencies and I'm gonna bring it back home to Boston. So yeah, I think that hand clap theory 
that was that was a signal to the Boston fans and, and franchise. Look, if you want to believe that, I'm not going to stop you, but I, I certainly disagree. But you um, got to agree that he doesn't clap anymore. When he was I mean, six, it, he was clapping that, every five seconds. Look, look he, it, it was a rough year for him. He was probably more frustrated then than he was now. So, like, it's okay. Like, I don't. So I, less frustration, sure. less hand claps. Yeah. With Boston. All right. I'll, I'll give you that. So, the last thing related to Boston has to do with their coach, former Sixer assistant coach, former NBA player, Ime Odoku. The man just keeps winning. He, uh, I don't know if anybody knows who his wife is, Nia Long. But anyway, that's... Really? You didn't know he's married to Nia Long? No. Well, good for him. Yeah, yeah. Hey, dude's a winner, right? So I saw this, and apparently, uh, Ime Udoku claims that the Celtics see themselves as a unit, while teams like the Heat, the Nets, and the Bucks are centered around stars. Do you agree with that? Look, I'm sure they see themselves as a unit, and that's fine, but I don't think you can really talk about how other teams see themselves, nor do I think they are just a unit. Yes, they do have a really good supporting cast, but they are still led by the star power of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Okay? If you want to throw Marcus uh, Smart in that group, fine, whatever. He's Defensive Player of the Year, but, like, they do have star power. Like and, and I don't think it's fair for you to talk about other teams how they view themselves. You're not in those that locker room. It's mm. a good point. It's definitely. I'm looking at the quote now. It's it's definitely the sexy thing to say, but it's a little overly modest. And I did do a little homework. I dug up. I think quote. it's too modest. It kind of sounds so modest. It's a little arrogant. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, hey, I'm the leader of the team, but. It's only because people like to follow me. It's I have these qualities. Yeah, it's like that, like backhanded modesty yeah. stuff. I'm I'm not. So I I read this quote. This is when he got hired to be the Celtics coach, and it says, "quote He's talking about Jalen Brown and and Tatum because he coached them. I think in uh, 2019 for FIBA basketball. No, he, said, he was a part of the Olympics. Oh, the Olympics that. team. Yeah, he said it was just a natural connection with those guys that I had working on Team USA." They're going to allow me to coach and push them. I'm going to be on their ass, and that's what they like about me. They've asked me about that. They want to be pushed. They want to be directed towards winning, and you expect that from your stars. So mm-hmm. so what's he really trying to say? Either either this season he they all came together and figured it out. It's like, hey, we're not, we're not stars here. It, we're all might, one. it might have been a backhanded thing to It Brett. might have been. It might have been. But- the end of the or and or Brett Brown, but at the end of the day, <laughs> like it, it, it doesn't matter. Like good for him. He's he's a really he he's proven he's a really successful coach. He knows how to push his players properly. You know he was a role player. He can probably knows how to talk to guys in the locker room to where you know like you can be tough, but not you know is still have the respect of everybody. So like good for him. I'm I'm happy for Ime. I really am. I just wish he was here instead. Anyway, not the point. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, no. I think on that note, Uriah, it's it is time for us to wrap this up. Yes, yes. To everybody who tuned in, listening to the Six or Sense podcast, we greatly appreciate it. If you have not subscribed to the podcast, please do so. Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Audible, 
anywhere you can get your podcast. You can find us at The Sixer Sense. You can find us on uh, Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. So with that being said, this is Lucas and Uriah signing off, and we'll come back next time in a few days with more Sixers content. Take care. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.